As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to whatever is happening in our minds this week. Today, we're taking a look into Lauren's brain. Hello, former gifted kids. And welcome back to another episode of Hyper Focus. We're so excited that you somehow listened to us for 28 minutes and wanted to come back for another episode. Yeah, thanks for hanging out. Uh, we have another, I was going to say we have another great episode today, but we didn't, I don't think we made this clear in the first episode. We don't know what the other person is going to be presenting on, podcasting on until we're in the episode. That's true. So I don't know if it's going to be a great episode, but we do have another episode. I think episode. it's going to be a great episode episode okay Rachel and I think that our listeners are gonna agree with me okay confidence um, <laughs> better live up to the hype so on our last episode you may have heard Rachel give us a lot of information and you know when Rachel talks for too long sometimes apologies have to be made on her behalf oh, come on I I don't know I thought it was the perfect episode all right well listeners um you can be the judge of that Today, we're starting a new segment for you called 8 Second Apologies. They're especially relevant after Rachel's episodes. We got to see if I can fit everything into 8 seconds. I um, thought I but, did great. Well, you did good. You did good. Well, you did pretty great. I hear but a But still, coming. some apologies are necessary. So I'm going to give those apologies to our listeners. Again, this is approximately 8 seconds. So I wanted to first of all apologize to anyone that Rachel offended with her pronunciation, specifically the ones she didn't look up or the ones that she didn't have completely verified. I also wanted to apologize to anyone who absolutely adores me and was sad that Rachel made fun of me and roasted me so much. I also <laughs> wanted to apologize to all the soldiers who don't have bears, oh who goodness. Rachel may have made sad by talking about Boytech. And I also wanted to apologize to all bears who are not Boytech, who are just so jealous at this point. Okay, that one is fair. I will give mm -hmm. you the last one. The mm -hmm. rest of them, I'm not so sure. Okay, that's fair. So Rachel, 
Do you have something for me today, Lauren? I do. What so, is it? Tell me about it. You know that I'm planning a wedding. My yes, wedding. I, I, <laughs> I do know that you are planning your wedding. Yes. yes. Yep. Um, and part of planning the wedding is that, you know, my phone is listening to me. So my TikTok algorithm is pretty specific to me. So sometimes on TikTok, I get wedding TikToks and I watch them for advice. And I had seen people talking about different types of wedding traditions. And one that I'd seen come up that had been really intriguing to me was Viking wedding traditions. So, okay. I'm, I'm interested. I'm very interested in Viking wedding traditions yes. and about where this is going to go. Um, however, I'm wondering if this is just a way for you to brag and tell everyone that you're getting married. Maybe a little bit. Just a little? Yeah. Maybe a little Okay. Bit. All right. Well, <laughs> anyway, please continue. I actually trick someone into hanging out with me forever. It's crazy. Um, but today we're going to go ahead and discuss the Viking wedding traditions. I will say TikTok is not my source on this. I did go and do my own research. Glad to hear it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So first we're going to talk about just kind of the history behind it. Then we're going to go into some specifics on why people got married, how they got married, how those negotiations took place and all of that. Ooh. And then we're going to talk about um, the rights for women that were apparent in Viking cultures and how it worked like specifically in terms of divorce and marriage agreements judicially. Cool. So that's what we're going to talk about Let's today. Do it. All right. So first I want to just say that a lot of what we know about Viking weddings actually comes from sagas. So sagas, are, it's the Old Norse word for a story or a tale or a history, um, usually found in Iceland from the 12th to 15th century. So basically this is their historical writings that discuss you know, all the traditions that we're talking about here. It includes a lot of different adventures, but that's where this information comes from. They cover stories generally from the Viking age. Um, so I have a question. Mm-hmm. When was the Viking age? The 12th to 15th centuries. Okay. Um, so it details a lot of stories and includes specifics about love and marriage as well. So for the reasons for marriage, one of the most important parts of planning for a marriage was in the actual financial negotiation. So a lot of times, like you would see in history, marriage was looked a lot like a business transaction in that the groom would come to the bride's family and ask for her hand in marriage and they'd decide if it was a good decision. Usually the bride was only between 12 or 15 years old, but they usually also did have a say in their family. I was just about to say that we should bring this back when you said it involved negotiations and then you said 12 to 15. Mm Mm-hmm. That was a little bit sketchy for it to be 12 to 15. Definitely child marriage. We don't support that on this podcast. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there are some things that you don't have to tell our listeners that we don't support. Um, A big part of the importance of marriage was actually to have children, which having children, obviously, when you have children, they're tiny people. So when you have more people in your family, you have more people. (laughs) I'm so sorry. killing me. I know you guys can't see us, but like... (laughs) Okay. How would you describe my face? uh, Disgusted (laughs) by the idea of children. (laughs) Part of that was the point that they had more people to work the farms and they had more warriors. So actually having children would help them to bring in wealth. So that was another big part of Uh, the business transaction. Slave labor. Yes. I like that you implied that that's something I would like. (laughs) Yeah. You're welcome. Um, So as part of the negotiation, they would have to figure out several things. The first thing was the price of the bride. This was interesting. The groom would basically have to pay the father back for all the years that the father had cared for his bride. Um, So that was one of the things that they had to negotiate. The second thing that they negotiated was the dowry, which was the part of the father's wealth that the bride was actually entitled to. Um, So this is something that even though, of course, men were considered superior to women in this time period, Mm. still Viking women had more rights than some other women um, in that time. Cool beans. Mm Mm-hmm. The third thing that they negotiated was the bride's morning gift. This was something that the groom would give to the bride the day after the wedding, so the morning after. So in the sagas, they're also, according to the National Museum of Denmark, there also seemed to be a hidden moral that marriages in which the children did not agree with the family's decision for her marriage tended to go worse. 
that feels self-explanatory to me, but that's in the 21st century. It's interesting that that was even implied in the sagas that were written at that time. Um, The sagas also detailed women searching for and competing with each other to find suitable partners. So even though the negotiation was often handled with their families, the brides would be happy about it and they would be searching for a suitable partner. So when it came to planning the weddings, most weddings were actually held in the summer because the winter was freezing because we're in Iceland in the name. And they often had to prepare for a wedding feast that could last up to a week. So literally they'd had a week long reception. Um, The wedding was usually held on a Friday because that was the day of the goddess Frigg, who is the goddess of marriage. And the couple would have to go through a cleansing ritual before the wedding. So the bride would go into the bathroom with only married women, her mothers, her sisters, and other people. She would take off her cranson, which was a crown that signified her innocence, and they would store that, and she would give it to her future wait, daughter. Wait, mm-hmm. would they just, like, wear crowns all the time? I actually don't know the answer to that, but she definitely had one that she kept. It was at her, least symbolic. And her daughter got it, which means that she had this ancient, gorgeous crown that she got to carry that, like, signified her childhood. Mom, if you're listening... how how did that not happen how did you not pass down a crown to me yeah i'm disappointed rachel still wants her grandson i need to go to therapy Mm -hmm. for that trauma yeah and then she would bathe (laughs) symbolically in a way that would wash away her like maiden life um and then all the married women would offer her advice for her marriage um the groom's ritual did look a little bit different so first he would have to break into one of his ancestors graves And he would have to steal a sword from one of his ancestors. Stop. I saw this multiple places. This was symbolic of him facing death as a boy and being reborn as a man. Um, After that, he'd go through the same bathing rituals as the wife went through just with his father and other married men. But he literally would have to break into a grave and that sword was an important part of the ceremony as we'll see in a sec. So at the ceremony, the groom would give the sword that he'd gotten to his bride. First of all, why is that not still the thing that we do at weddings? Um, I think it'd be great if Jonathan had to dig into a grave and find a sword to get me at our wedding. <laughs> do you, do you, I've got a lot of questions here. I'm going to pare it down to one. Okay. Do you want to marry a grave robber? I mean, if it's socially acceptable. <laughs> That's the only thing that matters, apparently. Apparently. So the bride would take the sword and she would give it to her future son. So basically, if you're a Viking kid, yes, you do have to work the farms. You do probably have to go to war. But if you're a guy, you get a sword. And if you're a girl, you get a crown. Sounds like Disney World. Yeah, it's it's awesome. She also would give the groom her father's sword symbolically in the wedding, um, which was kind of similar to when nowadays your dad would walk you down the aisle and it would symbolize that he's passing you on. It basically was showing that she's now trusting her groom to protect her instead of her father. So they also did exchange rings the same way that we do now. Um, the difference is that they would hand them to each other using the handles of the swords. Wait, what? So they would exchange the like, swords, put the ring onto the like handle of the sword, and pass it to each other that way. Oh, that's dope. I'm going to do that at my wedding that doesn't exist currently. Mm-hmm. But You have more time to plan, I, though. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're giving me too many ideas. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. Aww. And you're going to be responsible. Absolutely. I would be honored. I'll help your future fiancé find a grave to rob that has a sword. <laughs> Um, I feel like there'd be a lot of trial and error there. You just dig up a lot of graves, hoping there's a sword. Especially because it's supposed to be an ancestor, so that narrows it down a little. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good luck. Um, so you might have a Viking ancestor that you could find. Me? Wouldn't it have to be his ancestor? Oh, yeah, Not it would mine. be his ancestor. So you have to marry someone who knows that they're descended from Vikings. How many people is that? 
feel like that really narrows my dating pool. I think you've got to figure that out for yourself. You have to decide how important this is to you. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's becoming pretty important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so also traditionally, the husband and wife would own each other after the wedding. I think that that's really cool in the phrasing of that, that they would both mutually own each other. Everything before felt more like a business tr- transaction where he was just getting the wife, but the idea mm-hmm. that they would own each other. Um, so that also came through a lot in their marriage vows, which is honestly the thing that like was my favorite part of all of this but one of them was specifically there were different types of ceremonies one of the really common ones was hand fasting in which the officiant would wrap the couple's hands together with a rope or a scarf or something like that to indicate that their fates were tied together it was Um, that was called hand fasting mm -hmm. okay yeah so there is the specific pagan hand fasting vow that i found it's on celticdruidtemple.com um i'm gonna go ahead and read that to you please It's, you cannot possess me, for I belong to myself. But while we both wish it, I give you that which is mine to give. You cannot command me, for I am a free person. I pledge to you that it will be your eyes into which I smile every morning. I pledge to you my living and my dying, each equally in your care. I shall be a shield for your back and you for mine. I shall not slander you, nor you me. I shall honor you above all others, and when we quarrel, we shall do so in private and tell no strangers our grievances. This is my wedding vow to you. This is the marriage of equals. Simp. Isn't that gorgeous? No, that was no, that was really that was really nice. I love I love that tradition of it's again like that idea of owning each other and being equals in that marriage. And of course that wasn't perfectly played out in their culture, but I like that they started their marriage with like that basis of equality. Um so there were other types of marriages as well. One of them was the mead ceremony, um, which is an ale. Um, and then there was also the blessing from Frigg ceremony. Frigg is, again, the goddess of marriage. So in that one, the vows would actually read like a prayer, which is interesting. Oh, hmm. Yeah. And so another one of my favorites is the Asatru Viking ceremony script, which is hand fasting combined with prayer. Hang on. Mm-hmm. You roasted me for not looking up how to pronounce things. So I have to ask, did you look up how to pronounce that? I had to give you at least a little material to apologize for on my behalf because there's not going to oh, be much I already, else. I already have so much. <laughs> so much. No, more. I didn't look that up. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but the, the vows for that are, Beloved, I seek to know you and ask of the gods and goddesses that I be given the wisdom to see you as you are and love you as a mystery. I will take joy. Ooh, I like that line. Mm-hmm. I will take joy in you. I, will, I delight in the love of you. You are to me the whispering of the tides, the seduction of summer's heat. You are my friend, my lover. Grow old and wise with me, as I will do with you. A life before us of rainbows and sunsets, and a willingness to share in happiness and in sadness. I love you. I adore you. That sounds, it just sounds so modern. It's it's throwing me off a little bit. Well, it's also a translation. Yeah. But I think that it's, that one's really gorgeous as well. So after the wedding ceremony... Um, they would have the wedding feast, which again was about a week long. One of the first things that would happen, the bride and groom's family would engage in a ritual known as bride's race, where literally the bride's family and the groom's family would race each other from the place of the wedding to the place of the celebration, and the losers had to serve drinks to the winners. Wait. Okay, wait. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm I'm trying so hard to think of the name in, in the office when they, like, they kidnap... Who did they kidnap? Did they they kidnap Angela before she gets yes, married to Dwight? Yes. And they like find her at a bar. Uh-huh. I was thinking of that, but I couldn't think of like if there was a name for it. And I couldn't think of it fast enough. I'm I don't sorry. remember. <laughs> but I was just picturing like 
Moe's sprinting through a field when he <laughs> said they were racing each other. That's an awesome visual. I love that. Imagine I... Moe's as a Viking. Yes. He oh. was made for that. Yes, that would be amazing. That makes me want to like travel back in time just with to be Mose. with Moe's as a Viking. <laughs> I like that that implies that he's just there throughout all of history. I think he is there he's throughout immortal. all of history. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so anyway, I thought that that tradition was awesome. Mm-hmm. Also, at the wedding feast, the guests could feast, dance, wrestle, and join in good-natured insult contests. What? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> so. You are responsible for all of the horrible things that happen at my wedding. I, I'm totally prepared to take that responsibility. <laughs> there will be wrestling and insult wars at my wedding. Good, good. So the couple had to drink mead called wedding ale from the same cup in order for the wedding to be legit, and this symbolized unity. They also had to have enough of the wedding ale to last them through the honeymoon. What would happen if they didn't? I actually didn't find that information. It was basically just like, have the ale. So I don't really know. Um, but when the wedding night came, they would actually have to have six witnesses walk them to their wedding bed um, just in case there was a legal dispute about whether or not they consummated their marriage because the wedding wasn't considered legit until after they had had the ceremony, drank the ale, and consummated the marriage. So they would have basically a replica of Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, and it was placed in the bride's lap as she asked her Thor's blessing. Um, and this placement was highly symbolic in another place in the norse canon the goddess var was said to witness the couple's vows and perhaps watch over the feast so there was a lot of different involvement from the gods and goddesses in the ceremony i just thought the ones with thor's hammer was very interesting um there was a place though sometimes um where basically they would have different symbolic things that they would carry into the ceremony and stuff because they actually didn't have specific clothes they had to wear it was more about the things that they would carry so like the swords and the crowns and that kind of a thing i'm into it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but one thing was that he could bring thor's hammer as one of the symbols for their marriage so that was something he could do again to recognize thor So in general, more broadly talking about women's rights, women did have more rights and responsibilities in Viking tradition than other women did in that time period. Um, So even though her life did center around the house and farm, whenever the man was gone, the responsibility for all of that was handed over to his wife. She was responsible for securing the harvest when he was not there. Um, So secure the bag, ladies. Yeah, yes. Um, so basically indicating again that she had more authority and more respect, like women in general did, um, in the Viking tradition than in some other traditions of the time, even though women were also still considered to be inferior to men. Um, there also were women at the time who were entrepreneurs and worked with crafts and other textile works. Um, one thing that was interesting is that infidelity among men was socially acceptable, but it wasn't for women um what else is new yeah yeah but if he did bring in a mistress the wife did have authority over the mistress so basically she was the housewife she was the top and they were all under her in helping with the house and stuff so she was she had authority over them in the house she didn't have a say in whether or not her husband brought in a mistress no but if he did she She was was boss interesting yeah the other thing that was interesting is that it was actually socially acceptable for a guy to be gay um as long as he wasn't a bottom (laughs) Wait, wait, but then how's that? <laughs> Logistically speaking, mm-hmm. how does that work? So <laughs> I don't actually know how that played into culture. I thought of that myself. I didn't want to Google it. Um, <laughs> but basically, as long as he was dominant in every relationship, it was fine. Oh. Yes. Okay, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So it's not like being in a gay relationship as in two men right. was acceptable. 
but being married to a woman and having you know like An lovers with a man. yeah male or female lovers were okay is what mm-hmm. you're saying okay i yep. see what you're saying yeah interesting that's huh yeah so then what happened to the bottoms <laughs> i really don't know the answer to that um <laughs> There were actually no rules against women being lesbians. It was never mentioned anywhere. Um, the one thing, though, is that once Christianity took over, they prohibited it, which indicated that there were gay women. Um, okay, so you didn't find anything about lesbian no. relationships either being Basically, they were celebrated or uh, not allowed. Yeah, I don't think that lesbian marriage was allowed. But Was gay marriage allowed? Mm-mm. So when we're talking about divorce, which also plays into the women's right, interestingly, um, the woman was actually allowed to initiate the divorce. So if the marriage didn't work out, they were were allowed to divorce. That was totally fine. The sagas depict both divorced women and widows actually being able to marry again also. Um, so in the Icelandic sagas, they included a lot of divorce rules, which indicated a really strong legal system hmm. at the time. And also indicated that women definitely did have like judicial, independent judicial rights hmm. from men because they were allowed to initiate the divorce. So in order to divorce, the criteria was that a woman had to assemble witnesses. She had to state her reasons and declare herself divorced. I think someone in the hallway just declared themselves divorced (laughs) with the slamming of that door. Yeah. (laughs) They had to do that three times, once in their bedroom, once in front of the house, and once for a public assembly. Yes, that means they had to bring witnesses into Into their their bedroom bedroom. and announce to those witnesses that they were getting divorced. And then they had to do that two more times. (laughs) Hey, babe, can you meet me in the bedroom for just like a minute or two? (laughs) I'm done. Um, Don't worry about all the people in the corner. They're just here for fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But also, I don't love you. (laughs) That actually wasn't a reason. There was some very specific criteria for why they were allowed to get divorced. So infidelity actually was not one of them. I was going to say. Because it was a lot, men were allowed to bring women in or men in. Um, Some criteria for divorce, she was allowed to leave him if he settled in a new country while he was on his travels. Um, But this only applied if he also neglected to go to bed with her for three or more years. So (laughs) this law was to protect her from being lonely. It had to be the combination. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or in general, if he hadn't been to bed with her in three or more years. Interesting. So she could divorce him also if he was violent. So if he struck her three times, she was allowed to divorce him, which is good. That's great for women's is rights. Is that the, like, never mind. I'm really dumb. <laughs> um, I was going to ask if that was the origin of three strikes, you're out, as if that's not a baseball reference. <laughs> It was just the first place my mind went. Another criteria was if the family suddenly hit poverty, she was allowed to just leave him. So that would really suck <laughs> Too for little him. sex, too little money. Mm-hmm. She actually, one of the things that specifically said was if he wasn't pleasing her sexually, um, she was allowed to leave him because if they weren't having enough sex, they weren't making kids. So if having um. children was a key thing in marriage, I think this especially makes sense, especially if you're ha- allowing men with mistresses, as long as he's still having enough sex with his wife, that's allowed, but she can leave him if he's not. Wow. Yeah. That's a, um, I feel like that's a very busy schedule for a man. It is. It is. <laughs> um, she also was allowed to divorce him if he wore feminine clothing, including low cut shirts, <laughs> or if he was gay, even though it was socially allowed, she was allowed to object if he wasn't discreet about his affairs with other men. Oh. So if he wore a V-neck <laughs> or if he hung out with other guys too much, she could bring her friends into her bedroom and declare divorce. At first I was like, that's so dumb. Like not like, divorcing someone because they're wearing feminine clothing. Like let people wear what they want to wear. And then yeah. I was like picturing 
a dude in a v-neck <laughs> i mean like like the stereotypical yeah not all v-necks on all men are bad but there's there is a stereotype of a certain kind of v-neck on a certain kind of man mm-hmm. and that's what i was picturing and just for a second i was like i get it mm. i get it yeah um so also after the divorce um the wife was allowed to claim back her dowry and any inheritances inheritances that she had accumulated so she literally could leave and she'd be like i'm taking my money and i'm leaving also the wife would take any small children and babies um but any older children would be kind of i don't it would be divided amongst the two families and the two spouses i mean that makes sense just logistically yeah it does um so that's what i have with divorce on that there actually was a fairly modern Viking wedding that held to like most of the traditions. So this was Rune and Elizabeth Dalseth. I saw on a couple of different sources that they were the first couple in almost a thousand years to have held a true Viking wedding. Wow. I feel so, like that's a, that's a lot of dedication. Like how do you get all of the proper, how do you go through all the proper channels and get all the proper people to have a, a proper Viking wedding? That's why it hadn't been done in a thousand yeah. years. Um, there had been, of course, other Viking inspired Inspired. weddings, but not the true Viking wedding. Um, it includes several of the rituals performed in the nuptials of their Norse ancestors. So Rune, who was the husband, followed the ritual of a traditional 10th century wedding. Um, he arrived at the lake early with 10 of his friends and they set sail and were beckoned back for the ceremony by the call of a hunting horn. Ooh. Um, Elizabeth, actually, they did break the tradition in two ways. The first was that her dad is the one that brought her to the ceremony. And the second is that she wore a white dress. But that doesn't mm. feel very far off to me because no, there wasn't there specific wasn't rules for how wardrobe. they dressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but she declared it not to not be a princess dress, which is, I think, the thing that was different. It also said that traditionally she would have been escorted by one of her younger family members with a sword to present as a gift. But instead, she was escorted by her father. Right. Um. I have to say, mm-hmm. after hearing all of that and hearing that someone, that there was a couple who actually did this, mm-hmm. um, I think your wedding's going to be a little bit of a disappointment for me. So sorry about that. Um, they had a pagan priest actually officiate and they did use pig's blood in their ceremony Whoa. as part of it. So they had a full on Viking wedding. They were committed. Mm-hmm. Huh. They were did they committed. Did they say anything about why they wanted to do this? Not in the two articles that I read. There were quite a few on them, but in the two that I read, it mostly just talked about the rituals, but that was Rune and Elizabeth Dalseth. So if you guys know more about them, please email us or let us know on social media. Or if you are them. Yes, please reach out to us. We would love to have you on the podcast somehow in the future. Two episodes in, we're already asking people to come on. We're begging you. No, we don't, we don't, we don't grovel. Mm. Okay. I don't grovel. I grovel but... sometimes. <laughs> I'll let, I'll let Lauren do that. Yeah. But yeah, come on our show. All Why right. not? <laughs> so that's the information that I have for you today. Um, how do we end our show? I don't remember. Let's do a little outro. Thank you for oh, joining. <laughs> I was not ready for that. Gosh. Okay. Um, thank you for joining us on Hyper. I was going to say, I was just about to say that. Well, all right, fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to Lauren spew a bunch of information about Viking wedding traditions. Yes, thank you for coming it was and fun. listening to me. It was, it fun. was fun. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a lot I didn't know there. Um, I've got a lot of ideas and yes. uh, a lot of things to be disappointed by at your wedding. Rachel, do I need to make you the Viking czar for my wedding? <laughs> Would you do that for me? <laughs> it depends on how much we can get Jonathan to agree to, to be honest. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. If you want to hear more from us, possibly even more things like this Viking mm-hmm. wedding, well, definitely more things like this Viking wedding because that's what we do every week is tell you random things. That's then true. You can get more content from us. You can interact with us mm-hmm. on our social medias. You can follow us on Instagram at hyperfocuspod. You can follow us on Twitter at hyperfocus underscore pod. Correct. I got it right this time, You got Rachel. it right this time. I did time. it. Just on thin ice. I know. I know. I'm doing my best. The ice got a little thicker that time. That's good. You can also follow us on our TikTok, which is not currently active at the recording of the podcast. By the time we post it. Yeah, it will be. It will be. I'm saying it now. You guys can hold it, hold us to it. I can't speak apparently, Mm. which is not great for hosting a podcast. However, this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. You can also send us an email at hyperfocuscast at gmail.com that is correct that's hyperfocus c-a-s-t at gmail.com if you have any comments or questions about the episodes and even more importantly if you have something that you think not enough people know about this but i have really hyper fixated on it or i just really love this topic if there's something you want to hear us cover please send us an email telling us what you want us to cover we are always excited by new ideas even though we do have plenty of beautiful ones of our own i know i do mm-hmm. no i can't speak for lauren that that's fair that's fair <laughs> anytime i, I insult ideas. you you just say that's fair <laughs> it usually is <laughs> it's like you have to come up with some comebacks but maybe maybe it is fair to mm-hmm. think about that mm-hmm. anyway if you want to send maybe us- i'm just feeding your ego i'm letting you win a little bit <laughs> are you implying that i wouldn't win if you didn't let me no not necessarily. Of course, you're the best at things, Rachel. Anyway, <laughs> if you want to send us a topic or you want to replace Lauren as my co-host, <laughs> please send us an email. And if, if you do want to send in a topic, please put that in the subject line. Just say, I don't know. Topic. Topic, topic <laughs> idea. Top ep- episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to stutter there for a long time, trying to come up with something witty. You could say my idea is better than Lauren's and Ooh. just put that as the subject line. Yeah. Although it could, you could say that it's better than Lauren's or that it's better than Rachel's. Mm-hmm. Whoever you would prefer to one-up. Yes. Or whoever you think your idea is capable of one-upping. Or whoever you want to insult. Probably Rachel. It's easier to one-up me? Could be. Okay. We'll see how that works out for you, love. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. We love ya. That's what, okay. Is that going to be your thing? <laughs> That's going to be my thing. <laughs> we love ya. Stay chaotic, babes. That's my thing. I like it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 